Here at Mountain Dew, we'd like to remind you, you gotta know what's important and what's not important. Knowing how to tie a tie, not important. Keeping a diary, not important. Trying all the different bold flavors of Mountain Dew, important. Experience the boldest flavors on earth. Do the Dew. At Mountain Dew, we'd like to recognize the number zero for making Mountain Dew Zero Sugar possible. You have no reason not to try it, as in zero. Get it? Crack open an ice-cold Mountain Dew Zero Sugar. It's zero sugar, all Dew. Are you passionate about your professional future but not sure what's next? The Ohio State University Fisher College of Business can take your education and career to the next level with its highly ranked Working Professional MBA. With flexibility to earn a degree entirely on campus, online, or a mix of both, an MBA from Ohio State is more accessible than ever. To get started, visit go.osu.edu slash WPMBA. The Ohio State University Max M. Fisher College of Business, where principled leaders are created. Rasball Prospect Podcast, powered by Prospects Live. I am here this week not with Lance Brozdowski. I am here with Eddie Almaguer. I said it right that time, Eddie. Did I not? You did indeed. Yeah, you got I know, because it, Eddie, Eddie said it about five seconds before we went on air. So <laughs> anyway, thanks for that reminder. So why am I here with Eddie? Well, Lance is on the road again this week. He's been traveling the country with the holidays and everything else. So I figured, why not pull Eddie on? He's one of our main fantasy analysts, one of our main writers at Prospects Live, does the Marlins list. you got the Dodgers list you're working on right now. He's working on a bunch of different top 100 rankings. Uh, he's also been kind of our point man on Yusei Kikuchi. So I want to start the show off. Obviously, since we last uh, recorded, Kikuchi is signed with the, with the Mariners. So he's technically a prospect. So he's sort of in the mix for our rankings. And uh, he's someone of obviously quite a bit of discussion at this point. Um, Eddie, I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on Kikuchi? You wrote up a wonderful article on him. Uh, back on New Year's Eve, was it? Or New Year's Day? Uh, this, I think it was the second. Day? The second, the second, the second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just, just, uh, the days all blend together, man. Of course, always. Uh, so yeah, so Kikuchi is kind of a, uh, an interesting kind of enigma, um, considering kind of what he's done in the MPB and what he might do over here. Uh, just, I mean, I'm sure by now, if you're listening to this, you're the type of person who knows what he's done in his past. But just to kind of recap, he, you know, he had a thousand innings over the MPB. He's a 27-year-old. He's kind of well-traveled over there, three-time All-Star. Um, and his standout year was 2017. That was a year where he actually had a 30% strikeout rate, uh, 197 ERA. He led the league with there. But that's kind of the outlier. And I don't want you to use that that year as uh, kind of like, hey, this is what he's going to be doing. This is what he's close to what he can do when he jumps over to the majors. Because for the most of the other years, he's been more of an 8, 8K per 9 type of guy because 
it's kind of the arsenal he's working with. You know, one of the misconceptions I had about Kikuchi before I wrote the article was his fastball. Um, I saw a lot of, quote, consistently in the mid-90s things. And really, when I looked at the Delta graphs, which is kind of like the fan graphs for like Japan, you know, for, for, these, for the MPB, uh, he sure. was more of a, a, a low 90s guy. He averaged 91 and a half miles per hour in his fastball. And I'll mind you, for a lefty, that's not only... Well, that's average for the, a major league lefty, but in Japan, where the average my, uh, uh, fastball is still under 90 miles per hour, uh, it was still really fast, you know. Um, but he's a he's a big fastball slider, curveball guy. His slider is a, is a, is, a, is a money pitch. He posted a 12% swinging strike rate with it, uh, one of the highest. Uh, I think it was top three in the league last year of qualified pitchers. Um, and his fastball, he looks the yes command of it. Uh, he can spot it. He, he does get a little bit too much of the plate from what I see. And his curveball, I notice that his arm speed kind of slows down compared to the slider and his fastball. So I wonder if major league hitters are going to pick up on that. I mean, if I did, I'm sure they can. Um, you know, the, the big thing with Kikuchi uh, in, in the world of fantasy is you got to be careful of the risk he presents. He's coming over and he's pitched just more than 150 innings just once in the last four years. And that's a lot of uh, there's some kind of vague information on what, what he's gone through. But he definitely has had uh, multiple bouts of shoulder injuries, shoulder like tightness, uh, a quote right side injury that cost him some time as well. Some hit some blisters. So it's, it's a bunch of kind of knickknacks that are kind of uh, uh, bogging him down. And as such, the Mariners have already said they're going to try to get him 30 starts. But uh they're going to do some weird thing where they're going to try to let him go um, for like every one, every five starts. He's, he's going to be like a, a two to three inning guy. So a very short abbreviated start. If that's that's going to be pretty new. I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but because they're going to be very careful with him, um, I think his upside is capped, especially in 2019. And I think he's ultimately, I gave him the projection of a three, seven, two ERA, 115 whip and just under uh, a K per nine. Um, I do think he's going to have a strong first half uh, because of, uh, you know, the American League getting adjusted to him. But I do worry what the long term looks like in a dynasty league. Are pitchers going to catch? I'm, I'm sorry, our batters going to catch up to him? Will he have to reinvent himself? Well, you know, he, he's he's a big fastball slider guy, or he does sprinkle in the curveball some. But he's a three pitch guy with with mainly just a slider and the fastball taking up about 85% of their arsenal. So it's a long way to long, long way to say, you know, I'm kind of lukewarm on him. Uh, if the price is right, his ADP is in, is it still in the 190s, but that was before the signing. And I'm, and I'm referencing NFPC, by the way. But that's going to climb, of course. If it gets beyond 150 inside the 150s, that's kind of where I'm pumping the brakes. And I'll take someone like Nick Pavetta or you Darvish instead of Yusei Kikuchi. Yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense, too. Just because of like what the upside is on both of those guys versus you know somebody like Kikuchi, where you know if you compare him with someone like that, and it seems like potentially the floor, you know, maybe whip-wise, ERA-wise, won't be that bad. Got, you know, decent a decent home park to pitch in, though the defense looks like it might be at least below average. So that's a little well, bit of a knock. You know, I, I, we're going to say... Not only the defense, but but uh, someone brought up the fact that uh, if, you're in, if you're in a wins league, uh, that Mariners bullpen is decimated now. They don't long have Edward Diaz anchoring, uh, anchoring the back of that bullpen and securing some wins for the starters. So... Hey, I mean, my 10 wins might be too aggressive of a projection. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it, it. you never know because wins are just so fluky. So no, sure. even when you're projecting, I feel like 10 wins is like a good number for just about anybody that's like not a star, not like a top three starter on a good team, you know. Um, guys just don't go that deep anymore, you know. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I ranked him one, and I've kind of come around a little bit on it. Um, but I feel that I, you know, my ranking for first year player drafts. The reason I have him one is I feel like there's a lot of formats where he fits. Um, not everybody's playing, you know, deep dynasties or or you know, thirty team leagues or even like twelve team roto leagues for that matter. You know, a lot of folks are playing in head to head leagues with categories uh, where pitching is more important, in my opinion, uh, especially sort of that that pitching depth more so than even the the top end guys sometimes. Uh, points leagues, I think that he's probably the right guy to pick, you know, if you're doing a first year player draft in a points league. Um, Roto, I, you know, I think it's, I think it's debatable still. Um, it depends what, what your team construct is, but I think that's always the way it is with Roto because it's much more strategy based sometimes. Um, just in terms of how you build your squad and, you know, get those totals. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's debatable because this, this year, I think you have a range of like, six or seven guys that I think could possibly be one on a lot of people's list, depending upon, you know, how they're ranking, what they're looking at. Um, I mean, even, you know, I was talking about it today and we'll talk about him a little bit later, but like Eno had chimed in after we had, we had posted our, our first year player draft rankings. Um, and, and he had said like, you know, I think I would have Horner one. And I don't think that's a, a totally crazy uh way to look at it i think we'll talk about a little bit you know about that a little bit more but i just think it speaks to sort of they're not being a consensus guy and then just you know um a lot of guys that are kind of talented and they have good major league futures but um there's a lot of guys that are just sort of packed in together more so than uh typical in other years um yeah and i do want to point out with the conclusion of if you're in a shallower league, I'm more prone to passing on him because of the risks he presents and the options that are available sure. to replace him. And if you're in a deeper league, I'm, I'm much, you know, I'm talking 15 plus, I'm much more open to getting someone like that where it's okay to, uh, use a pitcher that pitches under in 25, uh, innings, sure. 125 to 150, but still provide good ratios a la Rich Hill type of thing. Yeah, like I'm in, you know, a bunch of different 30 team leagues and he's definitely a guy that I'm targeting, like trying to trade up into the top five. Because the other thing is in a lot of these leagues, they're they're salary based. So um, if you have a player that's coming off of a prospect salary, so they're they're like league minimum in terms of what their salary is, sometimes for like three to four years. Um, that's a huge win if you can get a guy that's an immediate major leaguer, get that contract for four years, even if he's, you know, um, okay, like a top 40 starter, maybe even top 50 the first year. That's all right because, you know, you know those that year two, three, and four, he'll develop, maybe be, t- be able to take a little bit more of a workload, work with the, the major league guys, hopefully figure out the league a little bit. Um, and then you got a ton of value. So I think it really does depend upon construct. And I, like I said, I have a 12 team head to head points league. That's kind of like my, my home league with guys that, you know, I'm friends with from, you know, baseball and, and work and a bunch of different stuff that we've been playing for like 10 years. Now we got a trophy. It's a lot like the league, like it's the goofy league that I'm in, but it's probably one of the most fun But that, that league. I mean, like every starter is owned. Um, and the other benefit is if you draft a guy that's a minor, you get two years of them, uh, essentially, for free as a keeper because you can only keep eight from year to year. So it's once again, it's a huge advantage having a guy that can come up like that immediately. You don't have to kind of stash in your minors. Um, and he immediately has value even on the trade market if you want to move him and someone's real hot on him. So um, he's he's an interesting take because I think there's a lot of ways you can go. But you by far have dug into him more than just about anybody else I have uh, seen. And I thought the article was uh, fantastic, especially, you know, I love I love pitching GIFs, man. Yeah, yeah. I got <laughs> the pitching chips always get me. 
they got some crisp gist in there for you guys to kind of peek in, see what his slider and his curveball and his, uh, his fastball look like. So please do take a look. I, I, I found out some information about what he could do. If he, well, he's a ground ball generator, so I kind of you know gathered if he can you know uh, generate an X amount of ground balls with an X amount of K, strikeout percentage. Where would he? What would his FIP would look like? So. I, you know, I did a little, you know, kind of assumptions and kind of gave, try to peek into what a 2019 might look like and how, what is path to success. Very good. Very good. Yeah. It was a wonderful article. So we have some big news, Eddie, that we kind of announced the other day. I don't know if people have noticed or not. Should we announce the big news now? I feel like it's probably a proper time. No, let's do it, man. Let's get the drum roll going. So we uh, here at Prospects Live had added um, Smata and his many talents, including uh, his, I guess tool, um, neat uh, minor league statistical analysis tool called Minor Graphs. You can check that out. Um, it's actually at smarterplacefantasy.com backslash MILB trends. Um, it's branded Prospects Live. We're going to be porting it over to the site very soon. We're working on that as well as a lot of other big things. We wanted to bring on some uh, element of analytics where I feel like we had some fantasy writers. We have some reporters. We have some scouts, obviously, with the Jasons, and, and and I think all of us are trying to approach it a little bit like that as well. But um, finally being able to add somebody that can do a lot of things in the back end, add the analytics, pull the numbers, and um, I think, you know, it really helps us out in terms of the type of things we can do, the type of articles we can write. Um, and it's just a lot of fun to play around with. You know, I think one of the things that I was doing a lot for, like, my first-year player drafts, I wasn't looking so much at the charts because you don't have season-to-season -season progression to look at, which is obviously very nice if you're looking at someone with three, four years, even two. Um, I like looking at the spray charts. I like looking at, you know, what kind of contact was, was this guy making? Like, Parker Meadows had some absolute bombs, you know? Like, he wasn't hitting a ton of fly balls, but the fly balls that he hit, there was a lot of power there. Um, I know another guy we'll talk about a little bit later on, Taron Vavra is another guy that kind of popped onto my radar. Um, I know you've played around with it. Sort of, what are your thoughts? I know you're excited to obviously bring it on, but yeah, talk to I me mean, about Miners graphs. <laughs> I mean, just, 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 when you told me we were bringing on Smart, I was so hyped because I, I mean, I, I love his work and I love the kind of uh, tools that he brings to the table. I'm, I'm very, very big on, on scraping data and kind of taking a macro level look at things and then using that to inform our scouting, using that to inform our fantasy. And, and it's like, you know, miners graphs, it's, it's fantastic for that. I mean, you can, you can uh, select a player, write him in, and then literally look at his uh, uh, chart over time, the trends of like stats from WRC plus ISO, strikeout rate, uh, estimated flight ball distance, which has been a very popular one early on to kind of see is, is, our, is a prospect uh, hitting the ball a little bit further. Does that indicate that the home runs are coming, even if the home runs aren't quite there yet, but the fly ball distance is um, ground ball rate, you know, pull rate, I mean, just about everything. And you can you can also do it by uh, games for rolling average. You know, do you want to see every 10 games, 50 games, 100 games? You know, you can flip to the season, flip to the, the spray chart. I mean, it is fantastic. I mean, you know, it, it's, a, it's a perfect way to marry um, the, the scouting and, and the data world together and either confirm some preconceived notions or shatter them all together. You know, an example of one that I saw online was matter reached out to Jason, uh, Jason Woodell and said, Hey, you know, look at Mickey Maniac's, uh, 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 WRC plus this last season. It's, it climbed up after about the halfway point, you know, he really started getting into it. And I know Jason in the past has mentioned, you know, he's seen Mickey Maniac a lot and said, Hey, this guy's getting better. This guy knows what he's doing. Now he's figured something out. He's, he's more lucid to play 
And it shows it. It, it, it passed the scouting eye. It passed the data eye, you know. So it, it's I'm really excited to see what kind of trends and nuggets we can uncover with Smite on the team. And and like I said, it, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't just have to be us. This you guys can just jump in. And I really, really recommend this resource uh, that you have. You bookmark it and you refer to it as the season goes on. At the end of every month, maybe check in who's who's like on, who's hot, who's not. You know, check out what's happening. Why is this guy flailing? Is, is, are the, is the fly ball distance down? Is he pulling a lot more? Is he hitting a lot more grounders? So, really, really cool tool that's kind of popped up in our kind of industry that I think is going to get a lot of use. Yeah, and I think one of the you know, the coolest parts of it is that you can toggle through, you know, numerous different stats. Um, you know, like you mentioned, WRC plus. You can look at walk rates. You can look at sort of a lot of different things that are, you know data to back up trends that are happening and because you can sort of get it down you know you can look at it from a macro level but also you can kind of whittle it down to a micro level where you're looking at you know 10 20 game samples and you can just look at the different data points it's tougher on um uh mobile at this point but if you're on a desktop you can sort of toggle over uh each of those um data points you can sort of see what these 30 game averages are uh, you know i have it right now for average estimated fly ball distance um and, and i think that's really interesting because that's a great way to sort of measure you know is a guy tapping into more power how much further is the ball going then you can sort of look at some of the batted ball data is he hitting more fly balls is he pulling the ball a little bit more you know and that was one of the things i actually had noticed on uh k brian hayes's charts is that he you know he had made a deliberate approach with fly balls and you can sort of see the progression throughout the season and the sort of things that he was doing. So um, it's really nice. And I know the the sort of, um, I guess, homepage player is Eloy Jimenez. Check out his estimated fly ball distance. He oh, really took off. I mean, his baseline was like 300 um, going back to like 2016, 2017 toward the end. Numbers started to jump up to like a 320, 330 average. And he pretty much maintained that like 320, 330 average um, up until – Oof, I want to say, let me tell you right now, August like late, late, late August. Yeah, I mean, 18th. So um, it's pretty outrageous, some of the stuff you can see here. And you can also see when guys are going through slumps and maybe some of the stuff they were struggling with. Um, I think that Blake Rutherford, I don't know if I sent that one to you. That's a fascinating one. I'm not I'm not sure what to make of Blake Rutherford. It was. It, it's an absolute enigma. Um, it almost seems like he's better off. Uh, staying away from hitting fly balls. But I'll let everybody else explore on their own, check some stuff out. Um, you know, hit us on Twitter with some of the names. You know, if you start digging in and you're like, hey, this is a really interesting trend, I want to know about it. I want to see it. Hit me up. Hit Eddie up. You know, um, Lance, Matt, any of us, Prospects Live in general, hit us up so we can dig into it a little bit more. Um, anything else you wanted to add on Miners Graphs or Smato? We're obviously super excited to have him on the team. No, I mean, we covered it all. Like I said, bookmark this page and, you know, to kind of start off, maybe just go through some of your favorite prospects, you know, get comfortable with it, see the guys that you like and see how they how well they've been doing. And then maybe help over to some guys who haven't been doing so well and, and then see what's going on with them. So, you know, just, just familiarize yourself with the site. And it, it's, again, it's just such a great tool, man. I'm so happy Smite has joined the team and that this is on our tool belt. All right, very good. I know I had mentioned the first-year player draft rankings. We dropped those today um, over on the Prospects Live site. They'd already been out. We just sort of updated. We had a lot of information. I think, you know, Horner, Kikuchi signing. Um, we got some good words from Jason Panini and a lot of guys. I think one in particular was like uh, Richard Gallardo. 
um, who was a little bit more excited about it. I figured, you know, he kind of deserved to be in the list. So he jumped up a little bit. Um, and, you know, there's some, some other ones that, that I just feel like, you know, as you dig into these lists and we go through our top 30 um, podcast process where we all sort of bring something to the table and we have this hour discussion where everyone's sort of just, you know, just open to, to sort of bring to the table whatever they've learned about a particular player or guys that they like. And when you're doing these top 30s, Eddie, I think you probably can recognize this. You have you, you dig a lot deeper into each individual player. I mean, you're spending maybe an hour plus just on one guy digging through, you know, all the statistics, looking through, you know, Google, any sort of stories you can get. You're looking at video, um, whatever it might be, whatever medium you can get to sort of sponge up some information, you kind of do it. So you learn a lot about these players. But um do you sort of agree? I don't know. I feel like uh, my, uh, my first year player uh, draft ranks like changed dramatically in two months. <laughs> well, no, and and those top thirties, man, they're, they're no joke. I mean, I you know, I'll write, I'll be writing for, for a while, and then I'll tell my wife, all right, hey, hey, I'm done writing. She says, I got two blurbs that I'm. She's like, what? Don't you have thirty of them? I'm like, yep. You know, because you're right. It's a lot of scouting. It's a lot of video. It's you try to learn about the player. One of the first year player drafts. I mean, that that's that's not easy because there is so much information. And a lot of that information comes, of course, from college, comes from high school, so it's even murkier. And you kind, you know, you and Matt have done a fantastic job compiling this list. And I'm kind of curious to see, you know, who are the biggest movers and the biggest risers. I think that's kind of the big question that you know the audience might have. Yeah. So if you actually click on the top, so the first thing that we did too is I wanted to be accountable. So I, I put what the previous rankings are. Um, we've been working off all these spreadsheets, and I just have fun kind of geeking out on spreadsheets with rankings and kind of playing with different formulas and stuff. So um, we have the blended ranks. We have my ranks. We have Matt's updated ranks. You can see our old ranks, the old average. Um, but you can also see what the differential was, plus or minus. Um, and then, you, you know, you can toggle through those and set um, different ranges if you want to. Uh, like the guys that dropped the most were Kyler Murray dropped 61 spots in my ranks. Um, I had dropped Griffin, Griffin uh, Roberts a ton. After the suspension, I kind of draft dropped Shane McClellahan after <laughs> more conversations with Jason. I think he's consistently dropped setting me off with McClellahan, but I don't know if that's right or not. But I think in the big scheme of things, uh, Brock Deathridge dropped a lot. Um, you know, we started to have more conversations with him, with folks throughout the industry. I just don't think there's as much belief. Um, there's some skills there, but I just don't think the, the, the ceiling is as high as maybe some other guys we had ranked uh, behind him. Griffin Conine dropped. Um, Victor Mesa Jr. dropped a lot, but I just think that's that's a product of the top 30s and learning about more guys in the back end and him yeah. just having name value. Um, it's kind it's of the same it. thing with like Hinwan Bay dropped a ton. Um, but look at other guys that like dropped that might be like surprising, but I don't think there's anybody that's like. I mean, Bryce Tarang is a name that people might be familiar with. He dropped him about 10 spots. Yeah, 10 spots. Yeah, I just don't think he's going to hit enough. And I think. That's like I think anything with like four or five spots, that's just a product of a lot of players that have come on to the list, and then a couple of guys moving ahead of them, you know. Um, because there's guys here that I don't think I've moved on a ton, like Jordan Groshans. There's just players that kind of moved up, like Nico Horner moved up a little bit, you know. Um, and some of it might be somebody that like Matt likes more, you know, than than I necessarily do. Um, but I think a lot of those guys that are like sub ten, I don't think that's a huge jump necessarily. But so, who's someone that you that you two find yourselves moving up, or maybe you personally that you thought, wow, I kind of like this guy a lot more than I thought. I mean, I see a few names here that kind of took a huge bump, but I want to let you choose 
maybe someone that you want to spotlight or say, wow, this guy kind of like, you know, impressed me the more I looked into him. Yeah, I think um, you know the biggest guy. I'm going to talk about him again. I'm going to I'm going to go with a different guy because of it. Because I'm going to save Taron Barber for our second uh, deal here. But Ryan Rawlison is a guy that I'm much higher on after looking into him. I did the system. I looked at a ton of video. I watched a ton of video from him. You know, across a couple of different seasons, and I just think the stuff is nasty. It's swinging miss stuff. I'm not as scared off. Um, from Rockies pitchers kind of after last season. Now, granted, we don't know if this guy's ever going to pitch in Coors. I don't think that's an assumption that we can make, but I think the talent is there and just kind of removing the park, removing the team, and just looking at the player. You know, I felt like I really under, underrated Ralston a ton. I mean, I had him like 88 in the last rank, and I think it's just because I was so, I'm just, I'm off a Rockies pitcher. More dug in, the more I thought about it. He's a much better player than I give him credit for. I just didn't see a you know a ton of um, uh, I think what Ole Miss games you know over the course of uh, a few seasons. So well, I had to go back and do my digging. And the same thing with like Logan Gilbert. I didn't I didn't rank. I think I I was too concerned with some of the the velocity drops and some of that stuff, and not necessarily on the pitcher and the fact that he didn't pitch. So he moved up a lot. And some of these guys are pitches. Cole Rodier is another guy uh, that jumped a bit, but we're gonna ask. Uh, uh, when I with Rawlinson, I mean, I remember in our uh, Prospects Live Rockies Top 30 podcast, he's the one pitcher I gave my stamp of approval to, mm-hmm. primarily because of uh, one of the most attractive things of his. And mind you, again, 29 innings is all he has under his belt, but it was a 64% ground ball rate. And, it, you know, the one way to convince me that you can pass the eye test in cores, that's you can induce a shit ton of ground balls. And if you have the strikeouts and the walk rate, which so far looks like he does, that's a wonderful combination. So, yeah, no, I, I'm 100% with you on pumping up Rawlison that high. Mm. And I think the other consensus rank that jumped a lot was Marco Luciano jumped 10 and a half spots. Um, and I think that was Matt. Matt Matt, <laughs> Matt had ranked him. Um, I moved him up, I think, to 10 from 14. So that wasn't a huge jump. He had him 27th, and now he has him 12th. So I think just watching more video for Luciano, just getting excited a little bit. And then looking at some of these other guys and just technically how the top bats coming out of the J2 classes typically perform when this kind of guy and the scouting reports read this way. Um, a little bit of it is, is, is some blind faith, but I think we're going to get some looks within a few days from JP once uh, he's out instructs because uh, for whatever reason, the Giants have decided to move instructs to January. God bless their souls because it gives us more content to write. But, yeah, that's the first-year player draft rankings. I think that's kind of interesting. I'm going to put you on the spot here because what what we're going to do is we're going to have, like, sort of five guys that, that come off of um, our top 30s or the pro- – they're not totally done, but we're pretty close. Five guys that sort of have jumped to mind and jumped up and they're much more on our radar now. Maybe we have a, you know, a fonder appreciation for it than we did previously. We're going to jump into that in a minute. But I want to throw a couple of ETAs at you just because I think it's interesting. Somebody hit me up about this while we were on the podcast, and we had also sort of had some conversation about Peter Alonzo. I think I heard Steve Phillips just speculate that he thinks uh, Peter Alonzo's in the mix. He made it sound like he knew something, but I don't think he actually does. Um What's your ETA in Peter Alonso? Do you think he breaks camp? Do you think there's any chance of that? What's your percentages on Peter Alonso breaking camp of the Mets? I'd say 10%. I that's my number too. He's they're going to send him back down just to get the control because why wouldn't they? 
They, they have to. They have to. I mean, like he's done nothing but impress. His numbers have been fantastic. I know he slowed down a little bit toward the end there, but this is someone who uh, Brody Van Wagen and he met on. He met with one on one as soon as he took that GM job. He really cares about and really wants to know that he's a part of the future. To be a part of that future a little bit longer, you got to wait just a few weeks. So there's no chance he breaks camp with the team. It's just unfathomable right now. Yeah, and I mean, if they feel that he's going to be the starting first baseman, and it's like, hey, it's one of these things that you know. We're going to go Preston Tucker at first base for a few weeks until, you know, you're you're ready to go. And then once that, that date triggers, we'll call you up and, you know, it's just, uh, you know, all systems go. No, I think it's no probably what happens. No humor Dom Smith for a little while. <laughs> Dom Smith, they don't even care about his clock any longer. Exactly. It's so funny how how he fell off. And um, he's one of those guys that, like, he was the quality, he was like the quality of contact first baseman. <laughs> oh, my God. And, I guess I guess we don't ever talk about the quality of contact guys that don't end up adding power. Um, I think it's like this misnomer now that like every every contact good contact guy is just he's just going to add power. Just what happens? Jose Ramirez, Francisco Lindor. I'm like, does he play for the Indians? Like, (laughs) yeah, no, no, it's 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 a narrative right now too. It really is. It is, and to an extent, there's some there's some merit to it. You know, if you can sure. if you can barrel the ball up well, you know, you might have more power than we might have assumed, especially with the funky baseball that Major League Baseball doesn't want to confirm or deny it. There's been changes to it, but uh, yeah, uh, Dom Smith, R.I.P. Man, you were uh, fun while you lasted. Watch him rake. He's gonna come out and he's just gonna rake. He's just gonna hit That's bombs. Deep. It's gonna That's he's gonna go full full Chris Shelton for like two weeks or whatever. Oh and, man, oh yeah, <laughs> he's gonna keep Peter Alonso down in the minors, bro. Uh oh, we don't want that to happen. Other ETA, I want to throw at you because this is the one that somebody asked me. What do you think Francisco Tatis's ETA is? Fernando, uh, his oh, cousin. Fernando. What I said, I said Francisco, huh? <laughs> yeah. Jesus, Fernando. Um, That's awful, man. <laughs> Um, I am high, yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it. I think there's a chance he debuts at the end of this year, uh, but I would I would wager my money on 2020. You know, he he did get almost 400 plate appearances in Double A, so he's he's just he's he just needs that little bit of Triple A seasoning. I can see a cup of coffee at the end of the year, but he's not going to be an actual fantasy asset until 2020. It, it, like 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 the Mets, uh, who are trying to compete right now, the Padres are not. The Padres are very very close to being there, and they're waiting for a few more of those uh, upper minors arms to get there and uh, you know provide that source. But I think Chris Paddock, um, uh, Cal Quantrill, uh, Logan Allen, they're gonna get some taste of the majors this year and then be a force in 2020. Fernando Tatis is gonna join them, and that's really when they're gonna get going. <laughs> I still can't believe I called him Francisco. I'm like, and I'm and I'm the high man on him, right? I can't even remember his name. That is pretty awful. Anyway, so what did you say? Literally the high man. Yeah, it happens. Um, <laughs> I know you're working on your tw- your your top fifty for 2019 is one of the things that we have in the mix, and that's essentially going to be more of a redraft focused list for prospects and rookies, guys. They're going to have you know, right now value as opposed to the long off guys and the big names. And I think that, you know, chew off in our top 100 list of dynasty slanted for the long term. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Give me two names that maybe people aren't necessarily talking about. Maybe they are, but just give me two names that you think are going to contribute this year. Um, Maybe they're going to be in the top 25 or so. I don't know. Give me two names, man, for 2019. 
one name that I think uh, is kind of getting overlooked, and I have him ranked pretty high solely because of what he's going to do, is Kristen Stewart. I, mean, this, I get it. Kristen Stewart's not the, the most wonderful profile in the world, but he's someone, especially in OVP leagues, you got to be jumping on uh, because of the playing time he's going to get in left field with the Tigers. I mean, he Steamer hasn't projected for 18 home runs, uh, 245 slash with 328 on base and 448 slugging, and just 100, in ga- 100 games. There's no reason he's playing 100 games or fewer. This is going to be someone who's going to be 140, 150 or more. And that, that to me is about a 27 to 28 home run bat that's going to be sitting there extremely cheap in all your drafts this year, completely forgotten about. Uh, he even had a nice little, if I don't remember correctly, he had a nice little stretch when he came up too. Uh, he had a, well, he had a couple bombs and, uh, let me see, in 72 plate appearances. Yeah, no, he, he, he was solid. So Chris yeah. Stewart, someone who was ranked pretty high in that top 50 is going to be coming out because of what he's going to be providing. And, and that was one of the challenges, might I add, about creating this list is, okay, how high do, or rather how low do I drop someone who's a really good prospect but might not be producing much? Like Keston here, I'll give you guys a sneak peek right now. I have him ranked 33rd. No, I'm sorry, 32nd. Uh, I love, love, love Keston Hira. But he might, best case scenarios, I think is 300 plate appearances. So how can I rank him over someone like uh, Francisco Mejia or, or Garrett Hampson or Kristen Stewart. It just doesn't make sense. And uh, I guess the second name I can toss over is the big beefy boy himself, the man who's forgotten but is still actually a rookie through 2019, Dan Vogelbach. The jelly uh, donut of SWAT. Yeah, that's my longtime him, but... nickname for him. <laughs> I mean, this is someone who I love uh, the, the skills he can bring to, you know, to, uh, to your teams. It's about... Again, it's about the walk rate. It's about the power. And I think he has them both. Uh, is he going to get the playing time? I think at this point, my God, you have to. The Mariners are rebuilding. They don't have a good offense. And this is when you want to see what you have of him. And whether you like it, you trade him uh, and get something back. Or you like him and you keep him on your team. I mean, he, he's he's still 26, believe it or not. He turned 26 last, last, uh, last month. So Vogelbach, Kristen Stewart... It's all about the guys who aren't that sexy but are going to be cheap and provide stats. I totally agree. I love that. I love those suggestions right there. Um, Dan Vogelbach is like my homie. I, I I was so high on him like right before he got traded to Seattle, and I'm like, yes, he's finally going to get an opportunity. It's just never happened. Um, I'm hoping that he's like this year's Luke Voigt, only better. You know, I want him to show up on the scene. Everybody loves the big boy. He's smacking homers. And he's on the right team. I mean, is he actually going to get a shot with the Mariners? I, I, I don't know. It worries me a little bit. I I want I want to see some jelly donut, man. I want him in the yeah, lineup. It, it's it's a question of uh, I guess Ryan Healy is maybe the big question mark uh, that might block him. You know, because they got Edwin Carnacion now, which would have been the perfect freaking time to DH Vogelbach, man. But then they they just have to go and get Encarnacion. Maybe they yeah. maybe they trade him away. Maybe they trade him away or Healy. I mean, Jerry Depoto, the man has like it's a trigger. Depoto, yeah. So like we don't know. You know, Vogelbach might have a spot <laughs> open for him pretty soon. But we'll see. I mean, Ryan he, Ryan Healy was complete garbage last year, and I don't see any reason Vogelbach if he hits, he can't take over. Yeah, I totally agree. And he's one of these no no approach contact first guys. Give the big boy a chance. Let him get on base. Let him hit some homers. You'd be surprised. You'd probably have the same batting average anyway with a much higher OBP and driving more runs. But that is my tangent on Dan Vogelbach for the moment. Let's jump in. I have no more ETAs for you. I'm not going to put you on the spot anymore. Let's jump into sort of our five guys here 
um, that we have a fonder appreciation for after the top 30 lists. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right. One month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. So, Eddie, I'm going to kick it to you. As you were the guest, you get to go first. It's only polite. Who is your number one guy? Number one guy, someone that that I've actually traded away in one of my uh, home dynasty leagues earlier this offseason. I, I don't regret it, but man, it, usually when I trade someone away, I kind of lose my infatuation with them. But this has been the opposite. I've kind of grown more and more obsessed with Mark Vientos <laughs> from the Mets uh, as he's kind of you know left my teams. And I know uh, Jason Woodrow in his top thirty for prospects live ranked him third, so he thinks highly of him. For me, it's all about what he what he's done to change himself in the last year or so kind of widened his, widened his stance a little bit, which added more power. And a lot, almost all his power came in the second half of, of the of the season. A fantastic walk to strikeout rate. And uh, to kind of give you an idea here, 14% walk rate, 16% strikeout rate. And again, this is someone who was uh, 18 throughout the entire year in the Appy League doing this uh, with a 287, 389, 49 slash line. Those are big boy numbers, and they're not bad. They've inflated. Everything wasn't checked. Every he checked off every every box. And it's funny, in one of our prospects live mailbags, someone said, "Hey, you know, how come Mark Vientos isn't getting a lot more play? If you compare his numbers in the Happy League versus Wander Franco's, they weren't that different." And mind you, before you kind of you know uh, come at me with with like a bat, I'm not insinuating that Vientos is anywhere near Wander Franco. <laughs> Wander Franco has superstar upside and he just just massive massive uh tools that are just mind-boggling but i think the answer has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle of andrews jimenez and peter lonzo's emergence so he's going to be really well known in a few months and i love uh mark Vientos. he's inside my personal top fantasy uh top 100 in fantasy lists and uh, i can see him climbing his way up little by little throughout the year if he kind of keeps it up as he moves up the levels yeah, and I, have you checked out his minor graphs, by the way? I actually haven't. There you go. See, I go, go and go and check out his minor graphs. It is fantastic. So he started to hit more fly balls, um, but August eighth, and then he actually his his average fly ball distance jumped July twenty seventh, like three oh eight, and almost the rest of the season he was way above that, and he really spiked toward the end of August. So. It's a pretty steady climb on that. It was the same thing. It's right in line with his WRC plus. Um, yeah, so when you see a change like that, that's yeah, when you, I mean, it's, it was a stance. I'll look at the ISO right now. I'll, I'll pull up the ISO. I mean, I think everything sort of really blossomed at that point where he was sort of an average player in terms of his production. Certainly age uh, factored in. He was above average. But, he, you know, he had a tremendous finish here. And there was certainly something here that clicked. Um, and he certainly got more comfortable. So... I love that one, man. That's a that's a great suggestion. I agree on Vientos. He's he's one of those guys that um, I was high on coming out of that draft, and I'm much higher on now. Um, it's funny the Mets over the last year or so have really um, kind of got a lot of those those prospects to pop. They brought some good guys in. Of course, they traded a couple of them away. But overall, man, that system is is better than it's it's given credit for, in my opinion. Sure. Um, speaking for a player that was recently traded, it's uh, my number one guy is. 
Brock Burke, left-handed pitcher, uh, formerly of the Rays. He was traded to the Rangers. Um, he's a guy that, that Woodell is really, really high on. Woodell loves him, some Brock Burke. And I feel like he's been a tough guy for me to get. Um, in some of these sort of uh, first-year player drafts where there's like guys thrown back into the in, into the pile, um, he's owned all over now. It seems like he's been a, a, a tough get, you know, kind of under the radar, but somebody that's consistently sort of owned. And I think there's good reasons for it. He's got a good frame. He's a lefty. He's got velocity. Um, he's got a curveball with really good depth that flashes plus. Um, you know, and he mixes in a changeup as well. It's, it's not anything super, but... Um, you know, I think he's a guy with stuff. And, and you know, the Rays, it kind of looked like he may end up being one of those guys that could break through um, next year or the year after as, as, as one of these guys with an opener. Um, but now he's in the Rangers system. They have a lot of nasty arms. They seem to sort of be tr- chasing stuff at the moment. And what they have at the major league level, it's not out of the question that, that, that Brock Burke could be in the major leagues by the end of the season. Um, more likely 2020 early, um, but I think he's going to play a role in the next couple of years. And he's a guy that was kind of off my radar a little bit. You know, there's a lot of arms to follow, a lot of players in that Rays organization, um, and he's somebody that popped. I think that was a good get by the Rangers, in my opinion. Yeah, Brock Burke is someone that I that I wasn't on until kind of you know Jason came up shouting his name at the top of his lungs, and it, it's uh, his numbers alone are pretty impressive. This is someone who who performed so well he performed well in, in in high a right with the rays and he jumps to double a as a 21 year old and performs even way better i mean i'm talking yeah. his strikeout rate jumps from 24 percent to 32 percent his walk rate drops from eight percent to six percent his era is under one point it's under two i mean it, it's i'm really encouraged and you're right you know i, I don't like the i don't like the, the move to the, to the ranger stadium but the depth starts there and what they have in front what they have in front is a lot less appealing than what would have been with the Rays, where you're right, they could have toyed with how they well, used him, you know, as a swing man or something. I'll say this for the Rangers Stadium. Um, I don't know, you know, obviously the Rays, it's a good pitcher's park, but it's also the AL East. You got to play all those lineups. You got to play all those teams. There's, a, there's an arms race going on right now. The Blue Jays are going to be a lot better. Um, who the hell knows with the Orioles? Um and you have some pretty decent away parks. You know, you got Oakland, you got Seattle, um, you got Anaheim. So I think the division itself is probably a little softer. So I, I don't, I don't know. I think it might be a bit, a bit of a trade-off if you're going to look at it that way. Um, I think it might be, you know, six one way, half a dozen the other. But that's my two cents. Anything else you want to, you want to jump on your number two? All right, this is number two. All right, who's your number two? All right, so number two, I'm going with someone that I kind of uh, ran across as I'm working on my Dodgers list, and it's not a name that anyone's surprised by. It's Gavin Lux, middle infielder for for the Dodgers, but I don't think I actually really appreciated how good he's been for the team and what kind of year he had. You know, cause I, to me, he was someone who, <clears throat> weirdly enough, despite being the 20th overall pick in 2016, I I, I felt like there was almost some sort of like pop upness factor to him, making up some some phrases here, but to me, it was there's just no holes in his game. It, it, it's he has a good eye at the plate. He has some wheels. I think he stole I think 27 bases in 2017, and I think 13 this year. I could be off on those numbers, but not by much. Um, 
uh, he does have to work on his cost ceiling though. Um, but he, you know, he's, he's a good defender where he should be able to stay at shortstop. He might move over to second base simply because Corey Seager exists and he has enough loft in his swing to, to reach 20 home runs in his best years. But he, he's someone who could be a 15, 15, 15, 20, uh, and, and best case 2020 guy with fantastic slash lines because he has a strong walk rate. And uh, again, one of those reasons I love minors graphs, I was able to take a look at his chart, his spray chart. And he's not, he's not a pool guy. You know, he, he hits it oppo a ton. He actually hit it oppo more than he pulled it last year in high A. And he's someone that from a fantasy, pers- fantasy perspective, the fact that he has the speed, that he has the power, that he has a middle infield eligibility, he's a top 50 guy for me. And he's likely my favorite uh, fantasy player in that entire Dodger system, which is saying something because they got, they got some pretty good guys up top. Uh, so Gavin Lux, man, uh, he kind of opened my eyes a little bit to how good he really was. And I, I completely underrated him and kind of wrote, not wrote him off, but just didn't really give him the attention and the kind of, uh, reverence, I guess, that he deserves. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's got, like you said, take a look at the spray chart. It's a thing of beauty. I mean, it's just, it's all over the place. Um, even his ground ball outs are kind of like <laughs> to both sides of the infield. Right. Um, and his approach is wonderful. Um, he mashed in double A. Like he just saw beach balls. Like he didn't walk that much. He barely his strikeout rate uh plummeted, his walk rate plummeted, his his batting average jumped. Um it's awesome in high A, but it was crazy because it was like he just came up to double A and it was like he he was hitting everything. It wasn't even a, an issue for a month. Um exactly. his WRC plus two is a thing of beauty. It's like after a low point at the beginning of the season. I don't think he gets below like a pretty much. I think it's 126 for like a, a week, but his average is like 140 over the course of like three months, four months. It's it's unbelievable the production it, he put up. 147 in both high A and double A, and, and that's the thing. If he had maybe spent the entire year in high A and posted up these numbers, I'd still appreciate him. But then we're you know it's the Cal League, it's the Quakes, which is literally the friendliest home park in the Cal League by like a large margin. It's a launching pad out there. Uh, more than more than uh, Lancaster. More uh, than Lancaster. I, I think I don't I, think I, so. I remember looking. And then at my, Stockton is a launching pad. I, I think it was it was the the they, run they the games <laughs> the run the games uh, from the Quakes was ridiculous compared to the rest of the Cali. It might have been the lineup they had going. The fly balls carry a lot in the hangar. Like when we look at the like like Smata was pulling some raw fly ball totals. Like the top leaders across the minors are like seven different guys that played in Lancaster. Like, obviously, Nevin, Roberto Ramos, Vince Fernandez was on that list. Um, there were two others, too, that are escaping me at the moment. So well, yeah, I, I think fly balls uh, carry a lot, but I don't know about, like, Babip and stuff like that because that plays up numbers more than, you know, carries. Yeah, so I guess it was just a really stacked lineup. They, they had six runs per game, uh, which led the Cal League, and the next okay. closest was at Lancaster at 5.6, and the next closest was 4.6 at Stockton. But, yeah. I mean, well, po- the whole point is... another launching pad. But Gavin, it's, like, it's a good had, place had, to hit. Yeah. Had he stayed in high A, I, you know, you, can't, you take it with a grain of salt. But the fact that he jumped to double A and, and had just as good a season and kind of continued it seamlessly is what really gives me hope, even if it was only 28 games in double A. But, yeah, Gavin Lux, if, if there's an owner in your league who... You know, he's not maybe not really appreciating it. I know Gavin Lux isn't getting too much love kind of industry-wide, sort of. I mean, I know he's ranked high pretty, but I just I don't feel like there's enough chatter about him. Yeah, see if you can sneak in, uh, grab him, and uh, enjoy, because he, he's a pretty damn good player. Yeah, he's a top 50 fantasy prospect, and he's just not 
he's not one of those guys that's constantly brought up as like a target. And he's yeah. probably one of the better guys to go after for that very reason, you know? Yeah, 100%. All right. So I'm going to jump over to my number two. That is Taryn Varvro. We've mentioned him a couple times, I feel like, already. Um, I had him 15 in the Rockies system. I think I might have him a little bit higher now. And he was a guy that I dug into a little bit. And he's one of these guys that it was with a shorter um, number. But he had a really high fly ball average. Um, I think it was forty fly balls or more. So it was a, it was short. In you know he you know he was um, um you know he was in a hitter's park. So I think you probably can take that with a grain of salt. And he is a, a you know short season guy from you know an advanced sort of college perspective. He hit pretty well in the Cape though when he was there. Um, and he's a guy that at this point is sort of hitting. A fair amount of grounders still, but I think that his skills sort of translate um, because he's not incredibly pull heavy now. He's sort of a spray hitter, and he makes good contact, but there is some power there, and he is a good hitter. He's got some speed. Probably a second baseman long term. I think he'll play a little short, but he's probably a second baseman. Um, and he's really cheap in first-year player drafts. You're in deeper dynasty league. I think he's a decent guy to make a, uh, you know, a bet on. He's a coach's kid. Uh, his father's been, I think, in major league organizations in one form or another as a scout or a coach, et cetera, for like 30, 33 years. Um, and he's got some pedigree at Minnesota playing the Cape. I think he spent some time with the national team over the course of uh, the summer of 2017, but don't quote me on that. I have to double-check that. Um, and... It looks like he could unlock power. He's a guy that could maybe tap into a little bit more pull power and, you know, maybe get a little bit more fly ball centric. We'll see how that plays out. I'm not going to factor the Rockies thing in, but I'm sure that will boost his value a little bit when people dig in on him. I just think he's interesting. And he's one of those guys that was a product for me um, of the uh, the minor graphs digging, you know. Do you have any thoughts on Bobber at all? No, he's he's a pretty fresh new name to me. So, man, I, I'll throw it back to you. Like, what, what how many prospects in a league would you say he needs to be owned in? Um, I think it's probably like three hundred, like two fifty to three hundred, depending upon what your team needs. Like, I think there's sometimes like you know maybe you're really shallow at middle infielders and not a lot of names out there. Maybe you go after him and it's like two twenty, two fifty, right? I think he's in that range, you know. Um, but. Yeah, he's not inside the top 200 yet for me. Um, there's got to be a little bit more progression. They got to see it on a full season level. He's a college guy, right? We these guys that get drafted a few, you know, outside of the first round that don't have a huge amount of pedigree, um, maybe have some red flags or some quirks, some things that they have to get over to really get to um, an impact profile. You know, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna gamble on the high upside teenager before you you go after a guy like that. In my opinion, the first two two fifty because I think you got to you got to hit homers right because the, yeah. the player pool is a lot deeper in these shallower leagues that are two hundred prospects or under. You got to move on guys. You got to be able to drop somebody quickly and then grab somebody else just like you would in a redraft league. You know, as stock rises because um, there's always players available. But you know, Bobber had some nice hits. I mean, he had a couple of balls that he hit like over four hundred and twenty feet. Um, you know, hit a decent amount of homers, decent amount of fly balls that were deep. So I don't know. He's one of those guys that's just interesting to me. And uh, the more I dug in on him, and then when I got the miners graph stuff to back it up, and you know, kind of understanding like what his background was, I, I just I think he's somebody that maybe has that baseline um, ability. He's kind of a gamer kid, high motor. You know, a little bit like Nick Madrigal in that sense. That you know, maybe he's somebody you can gamble on. It can it can tap into more power. 
get a little bit more and uh, offer some offensive upside. So that's my thoughts. Anything else you want to go on to your number three? Well, I'll add that uh, you're always going to look smart uh, picking out Rockies prospects in low A <laughs> because next stops are Saudi League and then the Cal League, and then you're going to look like a demon. Anyways, Ashland. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, Asheville, and then they and, go to Lancaster. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, then, yeah. and then it's Hartford, which isn't even a negative park. Um, so, but I get to see him then, and then, and then I can see if the rubber meets the road, and I can say, "Oh, I watch him, and I'm off him. I'm not into him." Yeah, I have the perfect. I, I can. I have the perfect setup with Rockies prospects. They can look good, <laughs> and then I can get off on which I watch more of them. You know, I have yeah. the I have the built-in uh, a flyer. But anyway, who's your number three? It's gonna be somebody that I we love. So give me your number three. All right, I'm, I'm going to flip. You know, I know we're looking at a sheet. I'm going to flip just a couple names oh, here. Oh, no, flip so, it on me. Yeah, yeah, I, I got to tease you, man. got to tease you. So <laughs> I'm going to go with with a picture that I've re- learned to kind of uh, uh, start growing more and more appreciation for, and I really think he's not going as high as he should in drafts or, or in, pro- in prospect rankings. That's Spencer Howard from the Phillies. He's a 6'3", right-hander. He was 22 in A-ball out of college. And for me, it was how he finished the year. Um, last 10 games started, 236 ERA, 2.42 FIP, 33 strikeout rate, just a couple home runs. Um, I think I think Jason Adam, I think ninth in his Phillies list, and I, I would rank him higher than that. Uh, mm. he's, a, he's a cutter, changeup slider guy, and this is slider that's really his his money pitch. And of of pitchers in A ball with at least 80 innings, he was 15th of 124 with a 14.4 swinging strike rate. I think this dude like a, like has a workhorse uh, 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 body with uh, the the ability to pump it and hot like just really high gas and and with a put out pitch with a slider, and I don't think he's just getting the recognition he deserves. I, I don't know if Ralph if you think I'm being too high on him, but he really finished strong but very quietly. I'm not hearing anything on Spencer Howard. No, I think he's a he's a guy definitely to target. Um... You know, he's not top 100 yet for me, but I feel like he's within that top 200. He was somebody I would definitely target. He's not owned in a lot of leagues, especially some of these shallower ones that might be pitching-centric. Um, hopefully none of the the guys in that previously mentioned 12-team league are listening to this because Howard isn't owned and he's a guy I want to go after. Because once these guys get up to a certain level, then they have a lot more value. Um, and I think he had a – didn't he have a funky college background where he relieved They kind of – Screwed with him a little bit. He had an injury, if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to pull up my notes on him from a, from a couple of years ago um, because he's become a, a fantastic player. The the Phillies seem to really have unlocked quite a bit with Spencer Howard. So, um, yeah, I'm yeah, on board it, with that one, man. I think it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like a, in, in the bullpen and then like back and forth. No, you're right. It was like something that really kind of he, – he burst onto the prospect scene uh, late, and which, which might be kind of why uh, he's kind of – a little bit back and forth, and and fell, fell to the second round in 2017. But no, yeah, uh, I th- I have him just outside my my top 40 for my pitchers only top 100, and he probably should be moving up a little bit more. But to give you an example, I, I like Howard a little bit more than maybe a Dio Hall, uh, a Dennis Santana, a Justice Sheffield. So there's some names that are, that 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 are ranked higher than Howard that I just I don't see it just yet because I think there's there's a really bright future in 2019 for him. Yeah, so I'll give you my third guy. So that is uh, somebody that uh, you know, we talked about a lot on this weekend's podcast. 
Um, that was uh, Louis Gonzalez, um, who was an outfielder. I believe he was a 2017 third rounder, if I'm not mistaken. I got to double check on the third on, on where he was drafted, but I think it was the third round. Um, 23 years old. He was in you know high A all year. The numbers are really good. He's a good across the board player. Um, there's a little bit of power. Um, not a lot of speed, but he's you know good contact, good approach guy. Um, he's solid defensively. I think that there is a lot of of um, skills here with this guy that because he can play all three outfield positions, he does a little bit of everything well. He has a really high floor, and I think there is potentially even more power that he could unlock over the course of his career. Um, maybe it's only like 18 to like 22 homer power, but if he's a guy that can hit 270, 280, um, you know, he's a decent fifth outfielder, especially in in, in some shallower formats even. Probably more close to like the back end of my 200, 250. We're going to talk about him like that. But I do like Louis Gonzalez a lot. And I think that he's somebody that you could probably get for free in most of your dynasty leagues, even some of the deeper ones. Oh, for sure. You know, it's guys like that that might, you know, I know we said before, you got to hit the home runs. Uh, sometimes it just pays to have someone like a Kristen Stewart, like a Luis Gonzalez that just kind of punches the clock almost and is always going to kind of be a reliable, steady producer that just kind of works his way up. Yeah, you know, I think he's one of these guys, too, that just, you know, I, I like the swing. I just like the skills, you know. So um, I just don't know if he's going to be enough of a contributor necessarily to ever be like a like a, a, a consistently owned, like, 12-team redraft mixed team guy. Yeah. But yeah. in yeah. dynasty leagues, guys like that, you know, especially some of these deeper ones, 16 teams and deeper, where you have five outfielders, outfielders that have major league jobs and can provide some offense, like – I always feel like I have trouble like with outfielders like on my RDI team. Like that's a big part of like my my draft strategy that went awry. Like I should have drafted way more outfielders because there's five there. It's only 20 teams, um, but not only right. Yeah, like only yeah. 20 teams. But <laughs> but with five outfielders and 20 teams, it's like you feel like I feel like you're owning almost every outfielder. That even it's like a platoon guy is is pretty much oh owned. yeah. So I, I, you know, I have, have Gonzalez. I have. Just, the point is, like, I have Travis Jankowski there. He he wasn't even playing every yeah. day last year, and he was still extremely valuable. So someone who can who can you know prov- provide solid uh, stats and at least the plate appearances at, at that point, just like how much you play is a factor. So yeah. if he can kind of carve out some kind of uh, uh, you know OF three OF four role, that's golden. Totally agree. All right, who's your number four? I'm not going to guess any longer. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> I'm going for your boy here. Uh, so Luis Patino, you know, uh, I, I want to preface this with with almost uh, a mea culpa to uh, Matt Pullman. I know he's in, uh, w- he's worked with uh, Jason and, and JP out there from Arizona. I told him one time, I don't think Luis Patino is a top 100 prospect. And this was this was a few months ago toward the end of the season. And I've just done a complete 180 on that. Um, so this is, this is a uh, Padres uh, pitching prospect. Signed out of Columbia in 2016, a converted shortstop, and he went from sitting mid 80s to mid 90s in just two years with a really athletic delivery. I know uh, Emily Walden uh, comped him almost like a mix of a Dontrell Willis, Mackenzie Gore from the right side type of thing because he has a really like uh, like a quick leg kick where his knee just touches his chest and he kind of explodes toward the plate. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, for me, one of the big things when I'm looking at pitchers because I'm so so picky with pitchers in dynasty is how do you do relative to your level. You know, if are you young for your level? And if so, are you performing well? And he was absolutely disgusting. Uh, he was 18 years old in A-ball, first of all. He spent the entire year in A-ball. 
And it was oh, he has a wicked and fastball uh, slider combination. I want to pull up the numbers here to just confirm it. I want to lie to you guys with some of these numbers. Um, so 16% swinging strikeout rate. You know how I said Spencer Howard was fourth in A-ball? I'm sorry, Spencer Howard was 15th in A-ball. Well, Luis Patino was not only fourth in A-ball, but he was uh, one of only two teenagers inside the top 25 of swinging strike rate. So he was really setting the bar for what a, a disgusting season looks like. And, and 83 innings, of course – He's young. They're building his innings. So even if it was 17 starts, it was only 83 innings. Now, 216 ERA, 2.33 uh, uh, FIP, 20, uh, 30% strikeout rate, league average walk rate. I mean, he has everything going for him. His stuff is really, really good. I think he has the potential for a plus fastball, a plus slider, plus slider, average changeup, and a chance to be good commands. So there, there's some definite SP3 makings here with some slight flashes of SP2 if he really takes that next step. Yeah, I love Patino. I think the athleticism, um, just the feel for pitching that he already has, you know, that's that's one of the biggest differentiators between him and other guys um, is not just the athleticism, but the fact that, you know, it feels like he has good command at this point for a guy that's as young as he is. He really has good feel for his stuff. Um, the other part of it is everything that I've heard from folks that have been around him, Lance has spent some time in Fort Worth, um, you know, is friendly with the media folks, has done some interviews, etc. And Patino's attitude, like he's just a fun loving guy. Um, you know, I hate to put this comp on him because it's not you know meant to be taken this way, but he almost has that Jose Fernandez sort of like playfulness to him that it seems like everybody around him, you know, just thinks that, you know, it just is attracted to the, the personality. Um, and I think that's good just in terms of the mentality of a pitcher too, that you need a guy that's not going to get too up or too down. Uh, I think that's an underrated factor. So, hey, I don't know the guy personally, but everything that I've heard, it sounds like, you know, that's the makeup factor is huge. It's sort of off the charts uh, with Patino as well. So, yeah, I like him a lot, man. That's an, another excellent choice. Um, Thank you. My, yeah, no problem. No, no problem. <laughs> uh, my number uh, four guy is Bubba Thompson, um, who... I think I had like maybe 170 in like my midseason top um, 500, and he is well within my top 100 now. And part of it is just you know watching more of it. Part of it was in season adjustments to the swing that I know JP had, had noted in his uh, excellent Rangers top 30 write up. Go and check that out if you haven't read it. He's ranked third in the system, um, and the numbers were pretty good. And you know he's he's got the speed. He's got I think you know developing power. Um, he strikes out a bit too much. I'd like to see him walk a little bit more, but when you consider, you know, how young he is um, and the fact that he wasn't a, you know, a full season assignment, had an injury last season as well, uh, you know, so we'd missed some development time. I think this was a very good season for Bubba Thompson and, and, you know, maybe I was a little bit too concerned with the strikeouts versus the total package, the total skills, and, and ultimately what the ceiling is with a guy like this versus what his price tag is to sort of um, similarly tooled up players. So I like Bubba Thompson a lot. Um, any thoughts on Thompson? Yeah, you know, he, he's someone that, uh, so whenever I see a, a big speed guy, uh, my thing is, does he have some pop? Does he have some a uh, little bit of power to kind of go along with that speed? And and he's someone that, that does, right? You know, if you see his 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 uh, his batted ball profile, uh, his, his ground balls take pretty much down from his, from his rookie ball year where he's, where he was above 50%. Now this last year he finished at 43% and he upped his line drive rate, he upped his, his fly bar rate a little bit. 
And to me, that's important because you don't want, you know, he's, he's got that potential plus plus speed, but you don't want to just be a ground burner kind of, you know, abusing the Babbitt to kind of get, you know, get your, your slash line up. So I think he's someone that can be, is, is 1530 out of the question? For Bubba Thompson, once he kind of reaches the majors, I don't, I don't think it is, right? No, I don't think I don't think twenty thirty is necessarily out of the question, just because of the kind of power that potentially he can unlock. Um, you know, he started to become more fly ball centric after being kind of um, line drive heavy in the middle of the season last month or so. Um, his WRC plus spiked. Um, his fly ball average went down, but I think that's probably because he was hitting more of them. Um, and it was a slight jump there, but it looked like that's probably uh, right on the, the timeline of uh, what JP had described in terms of his, his swing change. So um, he's a guy that I think he could have a breakout next year. I, I'm really interested to sort of see what he does um, once he reaches what down east. And the Rangers are, are are just just have that love for the tooled up, you know, uh, outfielders. So and and they developed them well. You know, this is the system where Lewis Brinson came up. And, and kind of bust it out. Uh, and, and I think Bubba Thompson can follow a similar path and at least be in good hands in an organization that knows how to handle those guys. Totally agree. So hit me with your number five, Eddie. All right, I'm not convinced. Question. You're going to have to sell me on this guy. Oh, man. Perfect. So, you know, working uh, in the Marlins top 30, there's not much to work with. Uh, but I came across uh, Nick Nieder, and I, and I was looking, I'm thinking – how high do I want to rank someone who doesn't have a big fastball, kind of relies more on the command and control of the game? Um, and I think you know, after, after looking at him, after looking at video, after looking at his numbers, I have a soft spot, Ralph, for uh, guys that are great with control that get no love. This is a Nick Neaters. This is a Tony Gonsolins from Los Angeles. This is a Jordan Yamamoto's. They hit that sweet spot for me. And I mean, I'm, mind you, Nick Neidert isn't that much of an unknown. He was 60th overall in 2015. But I, I'm just impressed with the kind of the body of work he's presented himself with these last couple of years. Uh, last year, he was in double A. He was 21 all year there, uh, 21 all year there. So, you know, young for the level. Pitched 152 innings, which was the most for anyone who stayed at double A all year. So he's kind of, he built that kind of workhorse profile up a little bit. And it's the type of profile that to me sneaks up on you. You know, players, you know, managers aren't really expecting someone like Nieder to pop up and, and they don't really notice him until he goes out into the majors and in his fourth start pitches eight innings of scoreless ball with one, you know, and, and seven strikeouts, right? So he has great control. He knows how to hit all the four quadrants with his fastballs. And one of the things with these guys that, that don't have that speed, that, that big fastball is they might only know how to live in the bottom of the zone, but, but Nieder knows how to hit all four, four, four quadrants, you know, um, he has a great uh, uh, secondary offering. I think it's, it was his uh, uh, a slider with, with Nieder, if I'm not mistaken. And it's just someone that uh, – no, I'm sorry, a uh, curveball. Uh, but it's his changeup. That's what it was. It was a changeup that he has such good command of. And he has his hitch in, 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 in his delivery that he tunnels well with his fastball and his changeup that allows the, the fastball to kind of you know be a 45, 40-grade pitch. But with his changeup is so good, man. And I, I think he's in a debut in the end of this year, 2019. There's no reason he, he'll start the year in AAA. And the Marlins, they need so much rotation help that they're going to bring him up. And again, this is someone who, who's going to have a low walk rate. We're talking 5% area. And he's, he's not a pitch-to-contact guy. You know, he's he's going to get you close to a strikeout per inning once he hits the majors. So for me, Ralph, the reason I love him is 
innings. He's going to get through the innings, and he's going to get you great ratios. You know, if you're in a quality start league, this is someone who screams quality starts left and right for me. So I'm not sure what you need setting on. I don't know if it's, you have to have a guy with a big fastball. But uh, for me, if you have a great, great secondary, like a changeup that he has and great commands, you can make a long, long living in the majors, my friend. You sold me. I'm in. I'm in on you. <laughs> I think it was the organizations, and you just you, you always you always worry about the numbers a little bit with some of these guys that aren't like total swing and miss. But I think that's something that through these lists, and I think you just you your 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 palate for players or sort of your um your appetite for a certain profile changes. And I I think the 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 more I dig into prospects and really study you know younger pitchers and how guys develop and get to the majors. Command is so huge, and having secondaries nowadays that you can rely on outside of being, you know, pure fastball, um, those guys transition well because they can pitch, right? I mean, really, like it's that plus feel that's probably one of the most underappreciated skills. So um, I have to agree. So I'm going to say my number five here. We'll jump into my number five. We'll end the show. Jed Long. And it's kind of funny because I don't love his um, better ball profile. He hits a lot of ground balls. Um, prior to this year, he tapped him a little bit more pull side. Um, he had been, you know, very heavy sort of oppo spray prior to that. Um, but I just like the sum of his parts. He runs a little bit. He's got a little bit of pop. He's got a little bit of approach. Strikes out. He's aggressive at the plate. But I don't think it's going to be out of control at one point. And he's a pretty decent second baseman. He's athletic. Um, I just think he's a guy that, Based on where he's ranked and a lot of other people's rankings, I think he's a guy that you can get value on and you could probably target in Dynasty Leagues. That's going to be relatively cheap. Doing the Reds list, I mean, just the more I watch him, um, the more I'm convinced that he's going to be a pretty damn good everyday second baseman. I mean, it may turn out that he's Jason Kipnis for a few years, and that's just kind of like, you know, with like the good Jason Kipnis for a few years, or maybe he's even up down, up and down like Kipnis, but... That's not a bad grab, especially where he's going. I think he's underappreciated. So I uh, also got the 80-grade name. I'm going to keep stomping on Shed Long. It's been like year three now that I've been pounding the table <laughs> on him. So let's see if somebody finally takes him. I think I like him more now than I, than I e- even did before. You know, Because with these lists, like, you dig in on even like fielding and some of that stuff. And I think you start to understand like this guy has you know across-the-board skill set. Um, you know, and, and I know we had kind of a... a he was a military uh, uh, rat, so I think that he kind of bounced around from town to town. Um, grew up, I guess, you know, really regimented in his household. Um, I think his father was like a drill sergeant or something even. So he literally had a drill sergeant for a dad. I guess he's just, you know, a really uh, a really disciplined individual. And um, I kind of like the skills. So, yeah, that's enough of my wax and poetic about Shedlong. Do you have any thoughts? Do you like Shedlong or no? He's, he's kind of divisive. Yeah, I think I'm just kind of on the fence about him, and I don't, I don't like or dislike him. I, I think uh, his park, his party was going to sway me the most. I mean, Cincinnati was a uh, the the best park, no, the no, second best park for home runs uh, for lefties uh, last year, and for I, I think as long as I show a little bit more power than we're probably giving him credit for. I think you know what some might do is look at his uh, look at his numbers and, and see 12 home runs last year, 16 home runs the year before. I think in that park uh, and with his huge uppercut swing, I think he can get to a little bit more than what we're giving him credit to. And that's going to kind of put him on the map, especially as a second baseman, and especially if he can have a little bit of speed. And, of course, when you're, if you're in an LBP league, 
a little bit of a boost. I like his approach to the plate as well. So no, he, he's a he's a he's a quietly underrated guy that I don't think is ever going to get the love he deserves, but he's going to quietly just put those numbers up little by little. I have to agree. Couldn't have put it better myself. And the last guy that we both love, we mentioned him earlier in the show, Nico Horner. Nico Horner should be ranked higher. People should be targeting Nico Horner in first-year player drafts. And I said it at the end of the show, Eddie. That way, we waited till everybody listened for an entire hour and had to sit through <laughs> everything else in order to get that pearl at the end. So I limited the exposure. Hopefully, nobody in any of your dynasty leagues is listening, other than me, who already is uh, listening, because I'm here, <laughs> and I said it. Anything else you want to add? Plug your stuff. Plug yourself. Obviously, you're on Prospects Live, but where can the people find you on Twitter? Yeah, man, uh, Eddie Almaguer, you know, last name spelled A-L-M-A-G-U-E-R. Uh, I'm sure by now you, you found me. Um, I'm working on Dodgers Top 30, and then we have a lot, a lot of cool uh, Top 100, Top 50 lists coming your way. You guys are going to absolutely love the mountain of stuff coming your way that is, should be there in time to uh, help you for all your dynasty leagues, for your first-year player drafts, for your, your trades, for everything. It's what I've been working on the most. Every day I'm plugging away. Every day I'm adding on new names, changing some rankings. Uh, you have you have a lot of cool stuff coming your way. So stay tuned to Prospects Live. Yes, list season is coming. Brace yourselves. Uh, as always, thank you very much for listening. This is Ralph Lifshitz at Prospect Jesus for the Razball Prospect Podcast. I'll catch you next week. <laughs>